0: So I started commercial fishing when I was 14, 14. And the first time I went out, I just went out for a, a, a little uh, bit to spell one of my brothers who wanted to go leave the fishing grounds early and go visit his girlfriend. And, and so I was the temporary. And I didn't learn much. So, but, but that had given me the, uh, the next year I got hired on as a, a full crew member. I was 15, almost 16. I went out uh, on the fishing grounds and I fished with Frank Tredikoff on the Nancy. And Frank Tredikoff, Alaska native man who lived in Igigik all year round. In Igigik in the winter times under 100 people. And he lived by himself and he he therefore did not talk very much. <laughs> and I, the other crew member was my older brother Jim and Jim knew what he's doing. He had uh, fished for a couple years. But I, for some reason, had to go early. So I arrived about four days before Jim did, and we immediately went out fishing. I really don't know what I'm doing. Frank's not talking to me. (laughs) And I was terrified. For four days, my stomach was in knots. I was afraid. Uh, I, I was especially fearful of throwing the net out the back of the boat. I'm all by myself, you throw out the buoy and all of a sudden the, the, the buoy gets caught by the water because the boat's moving this way and the net starts whipping out the back. And I was convinced the webbing was going to grab me and suck me out with it, right? <laughs> and so I don't know what to do. I don't know how to guide it out there and, uh, and, and it was just, it was absolutely terrifying. I was much happier pulling in the net because then I wasn't going to get sucked out. And we fished uh, in the middle of the night, and we fished through a storm. And at that time, I did not know what these boats could take. They're amazing. A 32-foot gill netter, it was about uh, 12 foot wide, and they can really bob like a cork. But I figured we're going down. So I was just, I kid you, it was four days of terror, sheer terror. And then finally, Brother Jim shows up. And it was during the fishing period, and so we, we, uh, we just pulled up alongside the dock, and he came down the long ladder uh, with his uh, duffel bag over his shoulder, threw his duffel bag in the, in the cabin, and we uh, went back out fishing. And Jim said something that was just partially funny, but to me, I laughed hysterically. I just... And he said, it's not that funny, but I had four days of pent-up terror. And I, (laughs) (laughs) it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard in my life. I was so, it was I was just relief laughing. And then the rest of the summer was fun. And I went on to fish for uh, 14 summers, I think. I love fishing. But I'll tell you what, when you feel like you're on your own in a dangerous situation, Uh, It's totally different than when you are not alone, when when you're with somebody that you love and trust and you know has your back. And I tell you that story because that's the message for today. We can either live life on our own, and it's terrifying, or we can live life confident that we are never alone, 24-7, no matter where we go on planet Earth. So we're in a series called Flip the Script. And that's the flip that God wants to make in many of our lives. Even if you're a Christian, the reality is you're never alone. But we so often will act as if we're never alone. So we're going to look at this uh, truth today uh, from the story of Joshua. Turn in your Bibles, you would, to Joshua chapter 1. And just to remind you, to flip the script is to reverse the expected, the usual, or the existing position to do something unexpected or revolutionary. And for our series, it's, you know, God wants to rewrite the story of our lives. And many people are living as if they're writing a storyline and God's absent. And God wants to flip the script, put him at the center of our story, write a much better storyline. Jesus said, I've come that you have my life and might have it to the full or even better than you've got it now. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be looking today at uh, the first nine verses. After the death of Joshua, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And then verses two through nine are a speech by God to Joshua. Now, if you're into Bible uh, jokes, there's a Bible joke here. Who had no parents in the Bible? Joshua. Joshua, the son of Nun. Ha! All right. By the way, when you're reading the Old Testament, uh, when Lord is all capital, it's indicating that that, that's the uh, tetragrammaton. That's the the actual name of the Lord. So uh, what is now pronounced uh, Yahweh. So after the death of Moses, the servant of Yahweh, Yahweh said to Joshua, and elsewhere when it has just a capital L, but then a small O-R-D, That would be more of the word for um, Lord or Master. So here we are placed in the kind of biblical narrative. uh, Moses has just died. Moses was the man God used to free the Jews from slavery in Egypt. And it's about 40 years after that great deliverance because the Israelites lacked faith in the Lord And they uh, shied away from going in and taking the promised land. There were giants in the land. And so as a result of their lack of uh, faith in God, he made that generation wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. And then Moses, unfortunately, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land because in a fit of anger, he struck the rock rather than speak to it. God said, speak to the rock and it will produce water for the people. Moses was so fed up with the griping and the complaining, uh, lack of faith of the Israelites, that he struck the rock and God said, hey, hey, that's not what I told you to do. And the consequence of that is you won't be able to yourself go into the promised land. So here we are about 40 uh, 40 years after the uh, exodus from Egypt, Moses has died. And now the Lord is speaking to Joshua, uh, Moses' assistant. And so we have learned some things about Joshua in the book of Deuteronomy in particular, that uh, Joshua was faithful. And Joshua was one of only two of the 12 spies who came back saying, yeah, there are giants in the land, but hey, our God is much bigger and we can go take the land. And so Joshua and Caleb, they were allowed to go into the promised land. The other 10 spies died in the wilderness. And so God is speaking to Joshua. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Moses, my servant, is dead. And Joshua is very aware because Moses has been his boss, his leader. God has always led the people of Israel through Moses. Well, but now what? Moses is dead. And here's a great truth that we learn. People die. God's promises live on. Yeah, Moses is dead. But God is still going to lead his people to the promised land. People come and people go. But history marches inexorably toward that glorious end when Christ will return and establish his kingdom on earth. And it will be done as it is in heaven. People come and people go, but God's promises live on. And God is saying, Moses was my instrument, but now, Joshua, I'm going to work through you. So arise. Stop sitting down. Stop uh, looking around wondering, now what? Uh, we're on a mission here. Verse 3 Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Of course, he first promised the land. To Abraham, and then to Isaac, and to Jacob, and Moses, and now Joshua. And through them, of course, to the people of God. From the wilderness, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. So I just give you a map here to make it easier to visualize this. There we go. Large land. Uh, Even modern Israel doesn't uh, fully occupy all of it. And uh, the promised land was divided amongst the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And of course, many tried. There were not just individual men who tried to block Joshua from fulfilling God's mission. Uh, Entire armies stood And tried to block him, stood before him, and yet none of them succeeded. Why? Because God was with Joshua. You know, sometimes we mistakenly think people are the enemy, and yet the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the things, the spiritual forces of the world. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your parents, even if your parents aren't believers, and even if they don't encourage you, they're not going to be able to block you from accomplishing God's purposes for your life. Your boss can't do that. A a, a secular government can't do that. People can't keep us from fulfilling God's calling upon our life because God is with us. Even though they might try, they can't. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now, this must have been so encouraging to Joshua. Because we, we've seen the way that God interacted with Moses. God spoke to Moses face to face. God says, I know your name. Moses would come away from the presence of the Lord, and sometimes his face would be glowing, and the people couldn't even look at him. And, and Joshua had observed this over the years. Moses has a special relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. And Joshua was attracted to that. And now God's saying, you know what? I'm going to have that same relationship with you. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. What an encouragement. I am going to have a personal relationship with you, Joshua. And, you know, know, the Bible says that God has a personal relationship with the Christian. In John chapter 14, verse 23, we read this. If anyone loves me, Jesus says, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. We're going to dwell with that person. Of course, we learn later that it is the spirit of the living God who actually comes and indwells the Christian that's a personal relationship. He is with us 24-7. And that's what Jesus, uh, uh, God underlines here to Joshua next. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And now, now listen to this. I will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua, there's never going to be a, a moment when, you'll be, when you turn and I'm not there. Ooh, ah, the Lord must be taking a siesta. Ah, he's off helping somebody else. I will never leave you. I'll always be right there with you. And boy, the psalmist, I love the way the psalmist puts this in. Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? Can I? Can I go away from your spirit? Can I flee from your presence? The answer is no. If I ascend to heaven you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall hold, lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And then in the New Testament, the apostle uh, Paul puts it this way to the Christian. Romans chapter 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure... I'm confident in this. I've become convinced about this. That neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember, David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's what Paul's saying here. He's trying to imagine all the things that we might think could potentially separate us from the Lord. Death, could that separate me from, from God? How about angels, spiritual powers? What about rulers? What about What's the situation in my life right now? Or what about the situation that might come to me in the future? He's, he's listing all these things. He's, nothing in all creation can separate me from God's love in Jesus Christ. So this promise that, that was so encouraging to Joshua is a promise to the follower of Christ today. The Christian has a personal relationship with God and God will never leave us or forsake us. 24-7, anywhere on planet earth, God is there. And that's the difference maker. And so because Joshua will have God's, God with him, God can tell him, be strong and courageous. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Now, three times in the text, he will tell Joshua, be strong and courageous. And those three exhortations uh, correspond to three tasks that uh, that God has for Joshua. The first one is this. You you need to be strong and courageous because you're going to lead my people. And leadership requires strength and courage. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. You're going to have to lead my people. Now, I love the fact that God so often accomplishes his purpose through people. Humans are very often the the divine instrument through which God works. So, it is God who is going to give his people their inheritance of the promised land, but he's going to do it through Joshua. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land. That I swore to their fathers to give them. I'm gonna give it to them, but I'm gonna give it to them through you. Now, God has good things that He wants to accomplish in this world through you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there are tangible, real things God wants to do through you. And we know that because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we're told, We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, God wants to do things in this world through you. He, You are the divine instrument through which he wants to bless family, neighbors, coworkers, friends. And... Joshua's task is uh, significant in uh, salvation history. Hey, leading the people into the promised land to go take their inheritance. Uh, that's a very significant. But what God has preordained before the foundation of the earth to do through you and me is also significant. And sometimes I think we make a mistake of, of looking for the one big thing. Thing, right what's God preparing me to do what's the big mountain he wants me to climb you know what's the, the big work that he has for me and, and Mike I suggest that oftentimes it's a, it's a lot of much littler things but they're still significant and uh, so just to help show how this works out I was thinking about uh, my own life and, and the different responsibilities I have and so here's the way I, th- I think it works Uh, So I am a husband, and I know from the Bible that God wants Sabrina to have a faithful husband. God wants Sabrina to have a husband who listens to her, uh, who puts the toilet seat down. At least that's what she told me yesterday. (laughs) And flush the toilet more often. That was the day before. And uh, God, God wants... Sabrina, to have a husband who, uh, who cherishes her and smiles at her and laughs at her jokes and goes out on dates with her, right? And who forgives her when she fails and encourages her. Now, he wants all that for Sabrina. Who do you think is the human instrument through which he wants to bring that to pass? Dr. Mike. Dr. Mike, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I hope it's through me. I'm her husband. I, of course it is. So I know some of the good works. I'm a dad, right? Morgan and Aubrey. And God wants Morgan and Aubrey to have a dad who walks the talk, who doesn't just tell them what to do, but shows them. A, God who real, uh, a dad who um, rears them in, in the knowledge of the uh, fear of the Lord. Uh, a dad who encourages them and smiles at them and says, I love you and I'm with you. He wants all those things for Morgan and Aubrey. And I'm the divine instrument through which, the human instrument through which God wants to work. God wants Clearwater Church to have uh, healthy spiritual leadership. He wants Clearwater Church to enjoy sermons that rightly divide the word of truth. To, to have preachers who uh, live out what they're, what they're saying. Boy, I wonder, I wonder <laughs> who he wants to do that through. Well... James and I are the preachers, right? And and on and on it goes. It's not that hard to think about the the roles that you have. Allie Tolman, she runs a nonprofit that provides um, support, uh, the non-physical support uh, for people going through cancer. And God wants people going through cancer to, to have a network around them, people who love them and encourage them and pray for them and hold their hand. And so who, you know, Ali's uh, one of the people, uh, one of the human instruments through which God provides that and on and on it goes. So it's not, I just say that to say it's not super mysterious. I don't think it's hard to think about some of the good works that God wants us to do. So what are, what are the good works that God wants you to be doing through whom he wants um, you to be the instrument? Verse 7, Sec, here's the second, strong and courageous. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The second task is I want you to lead in righteousness. I want you to conduct yourself Uh, in accordance with my revealed will. Uh, Now, how much of the Bible did Joshua have? He did not have the New Testament. He did not have the prophets. He had the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the books that Moses wrote uh, called the Law of Moses. Um, and, And God, through Moses, had instructed his people on how to conduct themselves. And so God's telling Joshua, be very careful, be careful. To obey everything that I instructed you and the people through Moses. Don't turn to it to the right hand or to the left. Stay on the straight and narrow. And that's and that's how you're going to have success. And so what's the, what's the link between obedience and success in our mission? By the way, uh, the Bible defines success and prosperity very different from, uh, the world. This isn't the, mater- uh, the materialistic health and wealth uh, American dream. It's success in accomplishing the mission to take the, the promised land, to, to take your inheritance. And so, what's the link? The link is this God can't bless disobedience. God has already promised Joshua, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. So, our relationship is uh, secure. But if you go, uh, you know, disobeying me and and doing evil, I'm going to have to discipline that. I can't bless that. And that's what the Christian is told in Hebrews. Uh, The father disciplines those he loves. When we sin, the relationship is not at risk. We're still his children. Uh, He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. No man can snatch you forth out of my hand. The relationship's secure. But, you know, when we're acting evilly, God disciplines us. And discipline is not pleasant. And yet it is profitable because it it can put us back on the straight and narrow. So so God's telling Joshua, I want you to be successful in your leadership. But you need to make sure that you you are obeying everything that I have instructed you. Verse 8. So now, now he tells them, so here's what you can do to help ensure your obedience. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So what are you supposed to do? Joshua, talk about the Bible And meditate on the Bible day and night. Uh, The fact of the matter is it's a lot easier to obey the Bible the more you know the Bible, right? And so we can talk about the Bible uh, with our friends. It's one of the advantages of being a part of a journey group, right? You're talking with other people about the word of God and how it applies to your life. And meditation, I think about uh, the cow chewing the tug, uh, the cud, over and over kind of gross. He regurgitates it. Well, that's meditation. Meditation is repetition, repeatedly chewing on the Word of God. So, well done. You're at church. You're exposing yourself to the Word of God preached. Um, During the week, you can read the Bible. You can listen to it online. You can listen to other preachers. That's okay. You can do that. That's healthy. If they're preaching the Bible, you need to be listening. You can, so there are lots of ways to be meditating on the word of God. But we want to be doing it uh, regularly. It needs to be a part of our lives. Uh, Joshua, you want to be successful? Then make sure you're bathing your mind in the word of God so that you can be careful to obey it. And notice the wording. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. You can facilitate your own spiritual success by meditating on on the word of God and by talking about it. All right. So we've seen, be strong and courageous as you lead the people. Be strong and courageous as you seek to obey my word. And then third, strong and courageous. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. So he's talking here about when you go into the land, you're going to face enemies, armies that are uh, trying to block you. And there are giants in the land. But I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be dismayed because I'm going to be with you and fighting with you and helping you. Now, to be frightened is to be scared in the moment. To be dismayed is to conclude it 's hopeless uh, the, the, the word in Hebrew ha- ha- talks about like a, a pot cracking under the under the pressure and the strain, and so it's it 's breaking and it 's concluding i can't i can 't win this i can 't do this, this is hopeless and you know um, i can 't help but think of parents who have uh, Kids who fall away from the Lord and they're in their rebellious times and, and it's been years of praying and how easy it is to, to, of course, you're frightened for them, but to be dismayed and to conclude um, it's all over. Don't do that. Or if you're in a marriage and, uh, and it's not changing and we can get to that point, I've been there. I've been to the point where I've stopped praying for people because I've concluded They're not going to change. It's hopeless. And it seems, I don't know why the Lord does that, but it seems like when I get done praying, then he starts working. Like, oh, it's not about me, I guess. (laughs) And why don't we need to be frightened? Why don't we need to be dismayed? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Boom, that's the Lord's punchline to Joshua. That's his big takeaway. Now, if God had said to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to go across the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, which is currently occupied with some giants and lots of other people, and go take it, and you're on your own. Go for it, man. Uh, I think Joshua would have said, are you kidding? No way. I'm not up to that task. I'm not going there. That would have been terrifying, and rightfully so. But God didn't say you're on your own. He said, I'm going with you. You won't be alone. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you the whole way. And that's the game changer, right? That makes all the difference. So the series is Flip the Script. We can either live life on our own, as if we're on our own, or we can live life with God, never alone. And it, it makes all the difference. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, the application today is super simple. Uh, become a Christian. Because these promises are not to all people on the planet. The promise These promises are to the people of God. Which the Bible specifies in our day and age is the people who have repented of their sins and put their faith in God's son Jesus. Who have said, Jesus I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'll follow you for a lifetime. I'm in trust. I trust your death upon the cross to be full payment for my sins. I'm reconciled to God. Your spirit indwells me. I am seeking to honor you. Moment by moment. The Christian is the one to whom God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So if you're not yet a follower of Christ, that's the big application for you. Become a Christian so that you don't have to live life on your own. But now to the Christian, here's the tragedy. The tragedy is in reality, you're not alone. Because even in your neglect and even in your sinfulness, God hasn't left you. He has not abandoned you. He is with you, but you're not noticing him. And so you're practically, for all practical purposes, you're functioning as if you're on your own. And that's very sad. Because you're missing out on the comfort and the counsel and the help of God who is with you. Joshua was pretty darn awesome as a leader. There's very little negative written about him in the Bible. However, there was one moment in time which uh, some Gibeonites uh, tricked him. And the Gibeonites were people living in the promised land. So they were supposed to be displaced. And uh, they were afraid of the Israelites and they said, let's, let's go trick the Israelites. We'll convince them. We'll act as if we're from a far-off country, and we'll make a treaty with them. And frankly, that was a pretty good plan. They were smart. So they, they dressed like in raggedy clothes, and they stuffed their sacks with moldy bread. And then they came to Joshua and said, oh, we're from a far-off land, and we want to enter into a treaty with you because uh, we've heard about how God is with you. And Joshua and the leaders said, sure, and they entered into a treaty. And then they found out, hey, wait a second, these guys aren't from far away. They're from right nearby, and now we have just bound our hands, and we can't displace them and take their land. And God said, well, it's because you didn't ask my opinion. You didn't seek my counsel. Which is him saying, Uh, you just made that decision and just acted as if I'm not right here with you. Because listen, if God is with us, then when we are needing wisdom, we would, hey, Lord, I'm facing this situation. What do you think I should do? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously and without finding fault, and it'll be given to him. Okay? Uh, When you are sad and you're heartbroken... Why why do we look around for somebody's shoulder to cry on when God is right there with us? Cry on his shoulders. Cast your anxieties upon me, for I care for you. God's right there. And he wants to take our our pain and comfort us. Jesus, uh, the Spirit of God, is the comforter. The helper. When you're facing, uh, facing some challenge in life and you need help, whether that's in work front or on the home front or God is your helper. He wants to he wants to strengthen you and help you. And so when you're facing things like like the big cancer or your kid is is going wayward or your or your marriage is falling apart or you've lost your job, you're not alone as a Christian. And it makes all the difference. And so do not live as if you're alone. Boy, Christians can, 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 it's easy to make the mistake of, I'm in a situation and God let me into the situation. He must not care about me. No, God is just not nearly as concerned about how good the situation is. Uh, he's with us in the situation and we can be victorious in every situation. Uh, God is much less concerned about our comfort than he is about Encourages, encouraging us in the midst of the situation. And, and sometimes he'll put us in uncomfortable situations so that we are forced to depend on him and we build the, the faith muscles. You can either live life on your own as a Christian or you can live life into the glorious truth that God is with you. You're never alone. So flip the script. Stop living as if you're alone. And live into the promise that you are never alone. Let's pray. So, first, I want to address those who don't yet know Christ. What a, I mean, th- this is just one of the many, 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 many promises in the Bible that can be yours if you'll become a Christian. The most glorious of which, of course, is life everlasting. Do you want that? Every relationship has a beginning. Today can be the beginning. There are no magical words, but God says, I will honor faith in my son Jesus Christ I'll honor it with forgiveness of sins I'll honor it with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit I'll honor it with my presence throughout all life and I will honor it with resurrection from the dead and life with me forever do you want that? that can be yours today just talk to the Lord in the quiet of your own heart Uh, if you want somebody to pray with you after the service nothing I would rather do than pray with you I know my wife would love to do that. Any of the elders, their wives, Pastor James, lots of people who would love to, to pray with you, see you become a Christian, witness that and encourage you. Now for the Christian, you're not alone. That's the promise of God. That's the reality. Where in your life are you doing it on your own? Repent of that. Invite God Or open your eyes and say, God, I acknowledge your presence with me. Let it change the dynamic. Change your perspective. Let it change your emotions. Let it change the situation. Lord, we love your word. A lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Thank you for this glorious truth that we are never alone. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And that includes all eternity.